society folks it's your friendly neighborhood wizard back out here in these streets i'm not in on the streets i'm inside my apartment in the house because i don't like going outside because these it's karen's out here and they just ain't wearing no mask is mask off like i feel like every white person in the universe is listening to the future right now because ain't nobody wearing a mask out here in santa monica it's just mask off everywhere and i'm like yo I mean, I got one on. How come you can't wear one? But that's besides the point. Because it is your friendly, friendly favorite magical being in the universe. Y'all just found out. It's V. And then we got, oh my God, Brandy Slayton. Now, Brandy and I work together. And Brandy always dropping these, like, ethereal bombs. She would, like, drop some bars and be like, the soul speaks to you when you least expect it. It's like, damn. Like, okay. I wasn't ready for that, but... What's up, Brandy? How you doing? Lord V, what up? What it is. So I um shared with some of the folks, some of the muggles at uh, work, because not everybody magical. So muggle ain't derogatory. It's just like not everybody got the juice. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, yeah, I do this podcast. People listen to it or whatnot. And then it's like, I need another guest. And then Brandy was like the first person that popped into my head. It's like, oh, snaps. Let me hit up Brandy. And she's like, I'm down. Now I'm like, all right, cool. We got to come up with questions. And (laughs) when I asked, when I was like, oh, what questions would you have? My brain went, I don't know where my brain went. I thought it would be, I honestly didn't have like many expectations outside. I knew it would be a deep question or questions. But then like Brandy was like, how do you define manhood and masculinity? I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> I'm glad I asked now. Then it's like, well, um, give you some prep time. Yeah, I was like, ooh, Jesus. Like, okay. There's that. What makes a man a man? How do you define love? How do you detect real love? The real threw me off. I was like, oh, shit. Like, okay, cool. And then my questions were, when was the last time you confronted a major fear and what was the fear and why do you fear it? So that's what we're talking about. We talk about these very deep Love and existential today. My favorite topic. I feel like love and fear is the same coin. They are twin energies. I say this all the time. Love and fear are twin energies. They're both very powerful. They do not like coexisting so they kind of ask you to pick one moment to moment but yeah like you should never underestimate love or fear because they can both move mountains the question Mm -hmm. is is do you move that mountain with love and truth or do you move that mountain with fear and lies see look at bars bars (laughs) And again, both are very powerful energies, but I choose love just because it make love needs your honesty. Mm. You can't be a huge fan of lies and love well. Ooh, okay. Is it because a lie is just the connotation that is negative or that, well, not even the connotation, like it is just negative? Well, it's just about when I say love needs the truth is because in order to love, I have to be interested in seeing what's actually there mm-hmm. and basing my behaviors and my responses on what's actually there. And so when lies are there, when lies are in that mix, it makes it near impossible to focus on what's actually there. 
That's and true, because you weeding through all the BS to... Well, because it's not going to help you love better. Lies will never help you love better. You don't think so, boy? You're like, oh, how I look in this? Am I fat? Like, when you hit them with that, like, you good? <laughs> you can lie to them, but that's not love. <laughs> like, it is. It's like, look, it, I love you enough to know if I answer this honestly, this ain't going to work out for either one of them. I love you enough for you not to post questions to me. Like, you know, I would <laughs> And I would rather, I could care less, if I love you, I could honestly care less if you're fat or skinny. Like, that is a non-factor. I just care if you are at peace, you have harmony, and you're cultivating your own love for yourself. Those are the things I'm Okay, okay. So, like, you asking me if, if you look fat or if this <laughs> looks right or doesn't. I mean... It works both ways. I'm going to tell you the truth then. I'm also going to tell you when you have a booger in your nose. Like, it's just... See, yeah, that's looking out for you. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I believe I understand what you're saying. Okay. So, where you you want to go with your questions first, or how do you want to do it? You tell me. Listen, it's dealer's choice. I'm on your show. I know, but, like, I like to be a welcoming host, because I'll be talking a lot. Child, who are you talking to? <laughs> we be talking a lot. <laughs> I'm here like, I, don't have, I don't have friends. No, I'm playing. I got a handful. All right, let me see. How do you define manhood and masculinity? How do you define that? I'm very, very interested to, to hear this. Well, I mean, the reason I pose that question and I pose it, so a little bit of backstory, a little rewinding. Um, I identify as pansexual. And so my general definition of that is just that if you are human you are an adult and we have a connection the business of your gender or non isn't a barrier for connection to me Mm. so we can explore that connection regardless of the gender you either assign Mm -hmm. to or don't assign to whatever okay okay um so my point is, is that when I'm dating men, I like to ask this question because a lot of males have been given an identity steeped in masculinity. Unfortunately, most of it is toxic uh, just because, right, against <laughs> sexism. Like when you go to the isms, that's all they do in an ism is lie to you mm-hmm. about what it is and what it's going to do and what it can achieve. So then if you make your identity steeped in an ism such as sexism or toxic masculinity, how does that show up in your relationship or your partnership with whoever you're with? And so because men have this idea of what makes a man, I just want to hear you identify what those things are because you are going to have an expectation that I make space for that in this partnership. And so I, I want you to be aware of what those things are so we can make sure what's here is healthy for the sake of our union, but mm-hmm. also for your own identity, for your own ability to thrive. Like, I want you to have a going constitution or a working constitution that you believe in, that you've explored and found truth in. And so anyway... I say all that to say, most of the time when, (laughs) you know, 
when I'm dealing with guys and, you know, you hear the expression, I'm a man or I'm a man, you ain't go, you know, I'm the leader, I'm this, I'm yeah. that. Okay, cool. Like, I have no problem with you running point on things that you're good at or things that are natural to you. But like, shouldn't we couture this to who we are and yeah. not necessarily build it upon gender roles that have nothing to do with either one of us? Yeah, like this blanketed thing of like, this is just how you act. So, right. My overall definition of what maleness and masculinity is, is just truth and honor. Like, if you are an individual who is harmonious, like I see that as more manly than how we describe alpha males. That ain't even a real goddamn thing. That's what I'm saying. A lot of it is smoke and mirrors, but a lot of people steep their identity in these smoke and mirrors. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I asked that question so soon because it's like I just want to see what plane you are on, where your heart is, where your mind is, where your spirit is. Okay, so for me, I like to think that I've worked really hard. I would say over the last two to three years to really like dig to understand what I believe I really want to live my life with and. Those things that I think folks who know me pretty well can say that I can be very black and white. And that came from an upbringing that was like, it's this or that. Because neighborhood growing up in and whatnot, familiar relations and gang culture, stuff like that, it it was very this or that. Like the politics were like, you either this or you that. And there was no real area in between. And I think it took... I'm trying to think what was like that legit thing. It took seeing my uh, birth father, my pops and is where I still struggle sometimes calling him dad. Like we have a very, we have a very interesting relationship. He was in prison for the majority of my life, but getting to know him. And I remember seeing him one day and he had cried and it, I didn't know how to process it. Cause it was just this thing. Your parent cried, like whether you close or not, like it just. Mm -hmm. It was this thing where it's really interesting because it was like these tears of joy. And like, even that concept didn't even register with me. I remember my reaction was to get mad. was this like anger reaction. I think I've said it before, like on the show to someone else. And he had, he had like called it out. He's like, see, look at that. Like, look at it. Look at how you don't understand what to do right now. And he's someone I have like an immense amount of respect for because I feel like throughout his amazingly colorful life, he hasn't like ever, at least to me, made an excuse of like, I was here because Bob, like they did this. He was like, oh no, I, I made this decision. I'm accepting it. And I feel that I've learned a great deal just from that one moment and him in the sense of I now define it as for me is understanding that whatever I do, I'm going to own the consequences, be it good or bad. Like I will not run from, if I steal something and you catch me, I ain't snitching on myself, but, <laughs> but you damn, <laughs> like, but we damn sure just go, I know that like, if I'm in this position, I put myself in this position. And I think it's something that is challenging at times because I do think I am crazy hard on myself because I just expect a lot of myself. And 
so I'm defining manhood and masculinity now is just a big part of his owning, just taking ownership in whatever the situation and or moment is and realizing that I played a role in that. Um, I don't do well with like being the victim or stuff like that. It's like, all right, if I crossed the street and I got hit by a car, yeah, the person probably didn't look both ways and see I was there, but I still crossed the street. Like I, there was something I could have maybe done or whatnot. It's like, yeah, there's certain things out of my control, but I still just feel like there's always a way for me to learn from it to then just like gain some awareness. So I would say defining it as like owning just ownership. And then a big thing now is, has been like empathy. I think most things would be better if we were just more empathetic. Mm-hmm. Like not necessarily even sympathetic, just like being able to uh, make the attempt to understand what someone else is in their position they're in. Um, it's something that I think has been challenging in my male relationships that I have with other men. It's the sense of I don't now have any problem showing emotion or voicing a mistake I've made or a failure that I have because I feel like that just makes me so much stronger and. I'm starting to be far more aware of the impact that I can have on other people just as me, just me, this individual, and being vulnerable in settings or whatnot. And hopefully someone can see that as a strength like I do. And then from there, they can practice that. Because I think that's the only way a lot of the stuff changes. Oh, yeah. We learned it through that same passageway. Yeah. And that's why I was saying you know, when you think about love and fear in general, like they're just different frequencies. Mm-hmm. So it's like we have the same dials, but we make decisions and our life teaches us to turn that dial to certain frequencies. And that's what self-love is about, is discovering the gamut of the frequencies that you have and using them all whenever necessary. Mm-hmm not necessarily steeping your identity to this particular tune and trained frequency and thinking that that's all you have. And so I wanted to ask you about the two things that you just mentioned in terms of like defining masculinity and sort of illness. How do you see those things different from a person who is just moving in their humanity? I don't think they are drastically different. I feel like when someone is this thing, I'm trying to think. I remember, I remember I was maybe like 13, 14 at the time. And I got, I will never forget. I had this pink polo, like went straight Ralph Lauren, like, yo, I am official. Like, this is just the move. And I remember I had some fresh ones on, we're just like, yo, the game is over. And I went, it was a family reunion. I like to say relative reunion because they never just feel me blood on me and my family. Uh, it was, I remember we go, get out, doing my thing. And one of my aunts was just like, you got pink on, you gay? And I remember laughing. Like, I remember the genuine reaction was like pure laughter at her because it was so just like, oh, you ignorant. (laughs) Yo, yo, like, that's what's so strange to me about as a queer person. Like, it boggles my mind 
how difficult it is for people to embrace that the thing that makes you gay is being gay. <laughs> like a color or like, like what? Like, do you believe you could form a sexuality from a color? Yes. It, it's, a color it's, that, it's, by the way, was very masculine for centuries. Yeah. I And so that's crazy you say that. So I remember laughing at her and my uh, grandfather on my, mom's side my birth mom's side uh he was like country folk like horse riding and stuff like that and i remember he used to have a pink bandana and i will never forget we were in freaking we were in lake charles louisiana like on their yard and stuff and he like blew his nose and he was like oh shit and i'm like what and he's like oh that's why you wear pink his nose is bleeding and he's like yeah cowboys used to wear this and whatnot because of all the dust and dust clouds and whatnot so you wear a lighter color you can tell if like your nose bleeding or you coughing up blood and stuff like that and i was like well so this had like a legitimate purpose it wasn't just like a man and woman thing he's like oh no he's like took me into the garage and shows me like all these things that he's had for years like his dad had and whatnot and it's a bunch of pink stuff like Mm -hmm. and I remember telling my aunt that right then and there, like, that's a very manly thing if you want to play that game. And it was something like that to where I realized very early in life that I just happened to do things that most around me didn't do or wouldn't do or just be curious enough to just like go like, all right, I'm going to try it or whatnot. And I just had to accept that. They're like, I'm going to get called weird. I'm going to get called crazy. I'm going to get called eccentric. And doesn't mean there's anything against that. It's just a matter of it's not for everyone. Not Everyone's not going to be as curious or willing to explore things that as I am. Like, I know I, who I am. But that's why self-love is such a revolutionary act is because, right, when you think about all the isms that just direct our behavior and teach us how to be, like, sexism is one of the first isms you learn because the presence or absence of either parent doesn't negate the dynamic between men and women and you Mm -hmm. learn the dynamic between men and women first before you learn the dynamic between melanin Mm -hmm. which don't get me started on (laughs) flimsy uh of an argument racism stands on but (laughs) to be it's all yeah it's all pretty flimsy But right, it's just like, unfortunately, sexism teaches males to be anti-women. That's why pink is a problem, because it's a woman. It's been assigned as woman. It's so confusing. And I don't know if it's because being raised by majority women helped me more so just kind of like see something I don't think most like who would be raised by like men and women or predominantly men like it's just drastically different it was just like certain things like manners wise I feel like I was shown like I before Big Rona was out it's the thing to me that like if I'm dating someone I'm in a relationship with someone if I tell them like you need to let me remind me if I forget to hold the door open it's like, it's not like you can't hold the door open or anything like that. Like, no, it's just a thing to me to where, like, I value it. Like, I was taught this and the people who taught me, like, it just my connection to them as well. And it's like, okay, so this but, is just what it is. But to be fair, like, for better or for worse, whatever you are taught in your home is what will then feel like home when you go out into the world. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm saying, even just, and that's why racism is hard to sit down because your relatives are teaching you how to do it. 
yeah, it's that repetitive cycle. Just because you end slavery don't mean you end the mindset of those who are slave masters and stuff like that because they got kids and they're teaching their kids. And, so. and you're also not actually ending slavery. You're just transmorphing it. Like <laughs> <laughs> new coat of paint. Like that's the thing you just put, right? You put a new coat on it. It's got some new J's, but it's the same shit. Like, <laughs> sorry, can we curse here? Yeah, we all oh, I fuck shit ass. Like, oh, to my oh. parents, if y'all listen to this episode, I'm cursing again. Parents <laughs> are like, Woo, you be cursing. I'm like, that was the whole point of becoming an adult. That was my <laughs> entire point to be an adult, so I could use profanity. Uh, <laughs> but so, just this last piece, like when sexism is teaching males to be anti-women, it teaches women to be anti-women too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the impacts, I think, of teaching men to be anti-women a couple things one we're not actually teaching boys and males how to be pro themselves or to be just the most holistic individual they can be we give them a script do these things we'll give you masculinity points it'll be great Mm -hmm. Um, but the impacts are that these individuals who get taught to be anti-female partner with females to then have children to teach them how to do this. Yeah, stuff. yeah. And, and keep going. And these are the impacts. And so again, and I think any ism is just a tool of fear and a tool of lie. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm participating in an ism, I have to hand over all this set of tools I need to go down the path of love. It is a challenging it thing. It costs me love to fear. Yeah. And when you're doing these things, it can be a strain on relationships and things well, like that. Of course it is, because you're not even showing up <clears throat> as the individual you are. You're you've been taught very we've all been taught how to perform, mm-hmm. how to act. And so then you build relationships with people. And now because you're performing, you don't have the type of access that you need to heal the things you're carrying around you too busy getting ready for the next show yeah who things are coming out but you don't have any bandwidth to process them and so now when you're choosing someone you're choosing someone based on all the shit you carrying around mm-hmm. because like i said for better or for worse unfortunately all of us are just still sitting at the intersection of our first heartbreak if we haven't healed that and we see everything through that lens of that heartbreak. And so for better or for worse, whatever you were taught in your home, wherever your first heartbreak was, when you didn't go to partner with people, you're going to pick people and attract people where it feels like you have a home in them, but it could be based in dysfunction and unhealed trauma. And so, again, of course, relationships are difficult because you show up looking for love. And most times you show up to relationships looking for love, not interested in being someone who loves you. Oh, shit. Like, like, I want you to do it. So now we got even more complications in how we relate and who we are. Have we even built a relationship based upon the two people that are here? Or are our stage personas 
<laughs> in a relationship. <laughs> that's what I think it might be a lot of time. <laughs> that might be it a lot of the time. It's but just- imagine what it could feel like if you actually showed up to a relationship, showed up to a place, a moment in the world as yourself, caring for yourself. See, loving- that, that goes into the question, like, how do you define love? Like, I think that's what it is. Yeah. You want to get there now? I peep it in the sense of looking at it as someone who very rarely, if ever, feels like at ease, comfortable, calm. To me, that's love. It's like if I can get that feeling and it's a thing to where I know I have to continue to work with you on that to have that environment for both of us. And also, if I feel as if I can just say the things that are coming in my brain, that is like the ultimate sign of love to me. Yeah, and those things are part of my working definition as well. I mean, what I learned on my own self-love journey is, one, you have to be the greatest love of your life. Like, everyone else is just getting replicas of the love that you have for yourself. So... If you want to love someone well, you love yourself well. (laughs) Yeah. Because it feels like it's a very natural law that I cannot give to you what I don't hold inside of me. I can only give you what I have. Mm -hmm. And if what I have to give to myself is this, then what I have to give to you is also this. And so when I approached being the great love of my life when I'm thinking about, okay, well, what does that actually even mean? How do you do that? I just started to try to mimic the love I feel from creator. Like Mm -hmm. when I think about how creator views me and views life and views humanity, how we were all just small, special invitations to life. Like, You know, as a woman, I have my cycle every single month. And every time I have my cycle, that's an opportunity for life that will not happen. So when you think about all the choreography that had to happen for you to Mm -hmm. be just you, like your parents had to do a sequence of things. Yeah. Your mom had to be on a a certain part of her cycle. Like everything got to line up. It had to line up. And this is just your parents. They both have parents who had to do those same things. Like, so the universe has been working on each of us for millennia. (laughs) So they get it to feel unworthy or unloved is hustling backwards. My parents were my vessel here but we all belong to the universe. So yeah. even the things that my parents don't give me, I can find other places in this universe. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Just as someone who's a big chosen family person, they're just like, with the things that I feel like I didn't get from my relatives, I've been able to, to a certain extent, or no, not even to a certain extent, I've been able to create those bonds and relationships with people that give me that that gave me that that helped me have that like there are there are a handful of men in this world that are my brothers but if someone were to be like oh no no you're real but like that's them like mm-hmm. the, the bond that we've created is literally a thing to where 
it's just something where I remember having a moment like years ago and there was someone I was having a disagreement with and one of my brothers was like, oh, you don't like them? I'm like, no, nah. they're like, cool, I don't like them either. And they had a relationship with this person. I'm like, no, 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 like, yo, that's not, they're like, no, because I value you this much and respect your character and word, yada, 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 this much to where if you have an issue with them, then I'm damn sure go have an issue with them. And it made me think of like, yo, I got relatives who wouldn't be like this. So that's where I definitely agree with that. It's there, like all the stuff is there, just a matter of taking the time and putting in the work to like find it and also just like nurture and build it. Yeah, cause I mean, <laughs> speaking of nurturing and building it, I mean, that's what you have to do with yourself individually as well. So like when I'm going to be the great love of my life, what love is teaching me is that it has to be embodied. So I use this example sometimes about like, you could be walking and you see some trees and on a tree branch is a shoelace. And you might think, oh, that's a kind of cool tree ornament. But it's like, wait till you see what it could do for your shoes. Like this mm. is really okay. <laughs> feet and shoes. <laughs> It's pretty mediocre as a tree order. <laughs> and so my point in that analogy That's so good. My point in that analogy is just that a lot of us find it easy not to believe in love, but it's mostly because we've been exposed to performative love. Mm-hmm. So somebody put on their <laughs> stage persona, stood in front of us, said I love you, and we thought that that was love. So then how do you detect love or real love? Well, well, I guess it's the same thing because the get you gotcha of my self-love journey said that love must be embodied, which means you have to think love, you have to do love, you have to say love, you have to feel love. You have to do all these things together. If I say love and then I don't do love, I'm out of pocket. Mm -hmm. If I feel love but don't think love, I'm out of pocket. So I have to do all of these things with regard to love together and consistently to embody love. Mm -hmm. And so one of the first ways I noticed me giving, showing love to myself was just editing my inner monologue. It was just like my inner monologue popped off about something. And I was (laughs) like, okay, bro, like, it's cool. You feel a type of way. But say that differently. Like you can't just talk to me any kind of way. Express yeah. yourself. You're here. You get to be here. It's fine. I'm not trying to silence you. But I do need you to be kinder, clearer, and more compassionate in your expressions to me. And when mm-hmm. I told my inner monologue that and I meant it and it listened, I was like, oh. So I do... It is up to me how some of this goes and how some of this happens. I'm not just a bystander. Right. I'm not just being tugged by my collar by it. But so, right. When I detect real love, honestly, I don't expect love from anyone who does a poor job at loving themselves. So when I'm looking Mm -hmm. at you and I'm getting to know you, I'm just trying to hang out and see how well you love yourself. Mm Mm-hmm. Because that's the apex of what I'm about to get. That young Sherlock Holmes out here investigating. Say, and it's not it really an invest. It's just an experience. <laughs> it looks, I just want to experience. Yeah. And then how harmonious are you? It's the same thing. Because that's what love asks you for. Love asks you for truth. Love asks you mm-hmm. for harmony. 
So getting good at self-love is just getting good at doing harmony checks. It's just like, okay, well, I really want this thing, but I'm doing this thing. So I either need to admit that I don't want this thing or I need to do the thing that gets me the thing that I want. Mm-hmm. And it's no tragedy to <laughs> pivot <laughs> and admit that this ain't what you really want and then do a different thing that's in line with <laughs> what you're Yeah. Reading. Like the point is, is like either left or right or center. It's like, <laughs> go there wholly. Mm-hmm. But to stagger your energies is hustling backwards. Yeah. Then you can, I feel like you, you then get torn apart. I can say, I don't know how to detect real love. <laughs> like, I think the examples I have of real love are my grandparents. And in the sense of, it would be, mo- my grandmother was like four foot eight. Just tiny, just dragon. Like she was a straight dragon. Like nothing about her personality matched her physically. And my grandfather, we call him Big Daddy. He was seven foot one, three hundred some pounds. Yeah, like they were polar, like (laughs) polar opposite. Like it made no sense. Like like how are you? How does this even like work from just like a a personality stance? He's like the biggest teddy bear. At least how I saw him because. I was kind of like, I guess I would say it was probably like the last grandkid that was really around them. And it was this thing where you would see how she just like was pure fire, pure fire. And here goes this little, this big docile, just giant, just like, okay, all right, yeah. But there was always a sense of like, whenever they communicated, no matter how like wild she was with her tongue, it still had this uncanny thing to feel loving. Like, yeah. I, I remember telling my pops, it was just like, yo, she's the only person I know that could cuss you out, but you still, like, cool with it. Like, my bad, grandmama. <laughs> like, That's another sort of metric of feeling like real love. When you think about, like, love grows things. It expands mm-hmm. things. So, like, if you feel smaller or constricted, mm-hmm. or that's an indication that this may not be love. Because love is about growth. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say it's that, like seeing I, them. And then I also think it's just my parents, like we've gone through a lot and just even just me in the sense of like, I've attempted suicide multiple times and I'm just thinking on how it was the love of those I consider my family, but really when I like pinpoint it down, like, my parents, like regardless of how our relationship might be, how complicated it might feel and come across, the like knowing it, no matter how like hurt I am and down I am and how at odds we might ever be, this knowing of just like those two people and even other folks I consider my parents, like, but like specifically my birth parents thinking like, I could call them at any point in time. Like, my birth mom and I went a long time without speaking. Like, my birth father and I went over a decade not speaking. And to still have this sense of, like, if something were to happen to me and they heard it, like, the world would burn. Like, they would do everything they could, be it revenge or just, like, making sure I was fine. And I had to look at that, like, recently to stop and go, 
like, okay, I know what it like this, regardless of anything love feels like. Now, how do I look for that and understand it in a way that doesn't necessarily bring about like toxicity or just <laughs> anger and things like that? And that's the thing that like I'm paying attention to a lot more now. I think now I look at it in a sense of just do I feel do I feel comfortable with this person? Because if I do, that's like a, a good indicator that like I might be on the right path because I know I don't feel like that with most people, especially in like a romantic setting. Yeah. And like I said, a lot of us love to skip the step of really honing because, right, like sometimes when I talk to folks about because <laughs> one of the things I'm like writing is if I had to write an instruction manual on what love is and how to love. Mm-hmm what would I put in there? Anyway, when I talk to people about just like what their love definitions are, it's kind of like what you were saying, where I just asked them to remember a time where they felt true mm-hmm. love. And what did that feel like? People will come up with those experiences and remember those moments very clearly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, well now, offer i mean it's a good starting point for you to know what to offer to yourself yeah yeah because right like if i don't do the work of loving myself my mom could do a splendid job of loving me Mm -hmm. and i'll still not know how to love someone else yeah and and then you can also just not be aware of it and you're just like huh be people in your whole ass life that never made you look at it yeah 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 and that's a huge thing. Uh, awareness is one of the most beautiful things, but then it's also very frustrating because then when you become aware, <laughs> you're like, damn. You need to. <laughs> like, yeah. so hopefully there's some anyone who is in my orbit, I hope they know they have a person that they can always talk to about just leaning into this journey. of Mm -hmm. how to endeavor to just have a love-driven life over a fear-driven life yeah because you do need tools it is just a practice like that's that's true that's true you wake up today and be like okay today's love's day let me think about whatever my definition is Mm because that's the thing it's not really about right or wrong or good or bad it's mostly just about harmony yeah. <laughs> from the ideas you have about what love is do you show those things to yourself and then when you're going to love someone else do you do it harmoniously like are you in harmony with that or do you do it in piecemeals but again you have to start you are your own test kitchen for what your love abilities are and it's okay for you to operate to the roof of your wisdom as you know it and then continue to add. Because you don't yeah. wake up one day and like, you know, oh, I got it. In it and <laughs> love, army, love warrior reporting for duty. Like it, <laughs> it's a muscle. It's a practice. It's a daily decision. And that's what peace is about. Like, because <laughs> peace just means, oh yeah, I'm moving how I say I move. I'm thinking how I say I think. Like, there's no stumbling around here. Not really stumbling, because, you know. (laughs) It's going to happen. You you never know what Riptide 
is intending to yeah, you go catch that and wave is like, oh shit. Exactly. <laughs> catch it. But right that because right, the, that's the point about harmony is that it's you doing the things that are up to you and letting the things that aren't up to you to go forth and be merry. Mm, okay. Now we got love. Mm-hmm. We figured it out. We figured out what some manhood is. What's well, a man? I'm a man, child. Man. When was the last time you confronted a major fear? Like, what was the fear? Like, why do you fear it? What I will say is that I make my fears pitch me. Ooh. When my fears show up, because I made the decision to live a love-based life, when fear shows up, if you can get me to put down all this rhythm of love (laughs) (laughs) that I've been building and have momentum in, then good for you. I'm going to listen to you now. But (laughs) I like that. I, I dig that. Until you show me something, I know how fears work. I know how much they don't need the truth. So if I am scared of something, Mm -hmm. it's just like, okay, so what happens then? Like, all right, I'm afraid this will happen. Mm -hmm. Then what? People will think I'm this. Okay, then what? Well, if they think I'm this, maybe they won't do that. Okay, and what happens if they don't do that? Then I won't be. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> okay, there we go. That's what you're afraid of. When you ask why, is it is that what's happening here? Is that I like that? What's happening here? That's brilliant. Maybe not. Maybe, but it's like okay. Well, I can do things about that real piece of it. That's difficult. But responding to the more northern layers of it is just like. A dummy run mm-hmm. for me just because i probably I, for most who knows and so right like it's important to me not to give the love that i'm building in my life any indication that i'd rather have fear there and so when i'm thinking about a most recent fear that i've had they feel smaller they don't feel gargantuan that's, that's fine um, that's good i'm glad <laughs> But yeah, I mean, like sometimes I've, <laughs> I'm a shot shooter. So, you know, like being pansexual. Hey, you got to shoot it. I'm with you. Come on now. But yeah, be, being pansexual makes it interesting. It's it's a lot more context just because mm-hmm. you may find yourself asking out the typical binary genders, non-binary mm-hmm. genders. And so you have to relate to people on a humanity level. Like, <laughs> you just got to go shoot your shot in, like, a real human-ass way. Because it's like, if I get caught up in gender roles as a pansexual, it's like, I'm hustling backwards. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, it ain't gonna work. It's like, I just... Over here for it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just having to summon courage to require and request the things that I know that I want and that I know that yeah. I need. And just relying on that bravery in those moments and relying on love and all those things to make you able to stand there and weather it come mm-hmm. what may. And so I'm trying that's to pretty, think, I don't, I don't have too many big fears. There's like two or you three. Don't. 
but right one of my fears one of my my larger fears is like doing this work when so many people don't Mm -hmm. might mean that I'd have to walk alone yeah and so I combat that fear as often as necessary because it is it's a loud one and it's mostly just because I've been single for so long most of that was a choice but the interesting thing about like exploring yourself and cultivating better love muscles uh just even toward yourself is it makes it gives you a huge appetite to love someone else because it's like Mm -hmm. oh i know i have nice foundational blocks yeah so like if i go and enter partnership with someone i know i have the skills and tools to give me a great shot at loving this person well. Mm-hmm. To be fair, my love care package could be full of things that they don't need. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you understand that you've but, but, done the work. Right. And so at least there can, we have an excellent shot at building health, healthy tissues. We have an excellent shot at coming together as a union, procreating, and building an individual with these foundational skills and tools like i feel confident that anyone i would partner with because of the foundation that my self-love gives me that i won't be a part of creating more human beings who don't know how to love mm-hmm. why they'll be equipped and yeah. that to me is like success yeah i shit. i don't disagree <laughs> I rock with it. Do you have any comments about like a recent fear? Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Part fear is part of the reason why this I even do this podcast. Like the whole idea of perceived caution is that a lot of it is uh my buddy Joe, who I love dearly. Shout out to the homie Indiana Joe, who shout out Indiana Joe, who would be on the show the most with me. Started just how like I would see people tend to need others to agree with them to be like cool with them or to be friends with them I'm like no that don't work that way for me like i got mad people who i know who are far right wing but we have very similar interests and in talking we homies and whatnot and to me i always saw a caution not as this thing to deter me to do something but actually that like pushes me to do it i'm going to use caution to just be far more aware and alert right it just like, actually pay attention yeah like i'm not control. like oh like a yellow light don't mean like you gotta stop right. or you gotta speed up. It's like, yo, be aware, like this you know what's coming next, like because you've seen this, but so you can make that judgment. I think like my uh, the only two fears I can believe that like I genuinely have are one not leaving my mark on the world because I just have this deep hell bent goal of like I gotta leave this mark and it's purely just because of me and being alone. I confronted being alone, dating someone, and they felt like they needed time to work on some things on their for themselves. And my original reaction was like, oh shit, like your boys is over. I'm alone, like all day. And then I had to stop and like really think and go, like, wait, this is a great thing. Like they're going to do something for themselves that they like believe is gonna make them a better person. If I'm and thereby make your union better yeah so my thing it took me a moment and it took like shout out to the therapist 
for like helping me go. She's like, wait, think about it. Like, think about where you were. Like, last one was with died in a car accident. And it took me a long time to get over that. It took me a long time to work through that. And she's like, look, you went from like that to like, here ago, you might talk to someone here and there. So you actually dated someone and you felt like comfortable and happy. It's like, I understand that feeling of like, oh, fuck, like I'm back to square one. Like, but think about that. But think about like where you got to and be grateful for like that experience because you know you're able to do it. That was that thing. And the reason why I think I you know I feared it was just a sense of, I know me and I know that I can be a lot. My personality is loud. I'm generally, if something comes to my mind, I want to do it. Like, I just kind of go do it. There's no like, oh shit, what happens? Like, no, I just want to go do it. Like, I'm going to go do it now. And I think for me, it's always this concern of like, is it possible for me to find someone who's like, this motherfucker's a handful. <laughs> let me just let him do his thing. But also understanding that a core thing to me is loyalty. Like if I'm with you, like that's it. Like no one else exists to me. Uh, How do you define loyalty? Because loyalty is an interesting concept in my life in particular. I have me, a bunch of questions for you actually. Go ahead. <laughs> loyalty to me is me being willing to put myself in a bad position because of my care and love and word to you. I feel that. Because the part of loyalty that I do enjoy and employ is just whatever agreements we have, please don't violate those agreements. Yeah, it's like, this is what it is. I don't necessarily need you to put yourself in harm's way for me at all. Like, if you make that decision, you can make that decision, Mm -hmm. but it's not necessarily a metric of how I see you being Yes. Yeah, and I think it gets taken to that extreme a lot. And I know for me, it was just growing up, and it was a thing to where that what it was. Oh, my right, homie like, getting jumped. That's my guy. We made the agreement. We always go look out for each other. I gotta go get in that, right. and it gets tied to that. And I think now it's become a thing to where it's far more to, to say if I say I have your back, it's. I'm going to be aware when something's happening and you're not aware of it. Or if you're doing something and I think it's going to hurt you, I'm going to call you out and tell you. Like my loyalty is to your well-being, to you being a better person. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's become for me to be far more to where whenever I've been fortunate enough to be able to go into different rooms and meet well-off people and celebrities, yada, yada, yada. And it's like whatever knowledge I get from that, to me, because I'm loyal to people I care about and love and that I've said, like, you, my people, I make sure when I get that knowledge, I go back to them and give it to them. Now, they decide to do something with it, that's on them, but I feel like I'm doing my part. And that's where that, like, fear come from. It's just this thing of, like, because I know I'm okay being someone who can, who will go out there and do the weird thing or the thing that hasn't been done or go into the foreign territory with no, like, real understanding of what it is, just confidence that I'll be able to figure it out. It's like, I know that not a lot of people are okay with that. And I've been able to confront it pretty well so far. It's been a good thing to where it was a thing to where I'm like, damn, I'm never going to talk to this person who is dating like ever again, like screw them, blah, blah. And then it changed to like, no, if I care about them, I'm going to be honest and say like, yes, I still want to be with you. Yes, I still find you amazing. It's like, oh, you know what? 
I remember I called him just to check on him. It was like, my intention was purely just to know, like, I just want to make sure you're okay. The world is gone cuckoo. Just see how you're doing. It, it felt good to do that. Cause I had to stop myself and go like, is this me trying to be like, Hey, what's up? How you doing? Or is it just me genuinely going like, I still care this. I clearly the time isn't opportune, but that doesn't mean I still don't want you to be fine and know that you're okay. And once I was able to decipher that, it made it easier. And then it also has to do with the equity that you place in that relationship. And that's another way that Mm -hmm. comes into play is like, if every day you see me, I show up the same way. If I have a day where I'm not with the shits, I have equity in the bank. Yeah. To code this as an outlier behavior. Yeah, I believe in that so heavily. It's this thing where I like to think there's certain things that go like when I die, there are a handful of things I want people to be able to define with me. And one of them is like, we always, like he was the person that whenever shit went wrong, knew you can call him you would figure it out or whenever shit was going great and you wanted to celebrate he was the person you called to like just be bigging you up and yelling and because that's just me it makes me so happy to where one of my homies uh shout out to my brother Cobain he's been like doing a lot of work being uh, becoming a better editor and he shared this like quick edit he made for something it was like a work thing and I was so proud inside it's like yo like my guy over here figuring out the effects and shit like this is like this is lit and it was just a thing where it's like, I want to cheerlead my people. Like, I want to cheerlead to help people see that because ain't nothing but the blues on the news. So I'm just like, no, I want to give you all the positive energy I can. And I think that, yeah, like, that's and, a huge thing. Yeah, and I'm super committed to that. But the way, the reason that when I show up, you can find me consistent is because I've prioritized being consistent with myself. Mm-hmm. Like those are seeds that I plant in myself. You will know exactly how I deal with me by how it feels when I deal with you. Yeah. I'm telling you, all of us are doing it for better or for worse. Yeah, that's true. That's all true. of us are showing you, showing one another what we hold inside and what we value and prioritize and what we support. I think a lot of things are done in the name of loyalty that... <laughs> Have no business nearby the word loyalty. All bad. Yeah, that's like when people start about snitching, but I can't even go on that because I'm just like, no, y'all just doing too much. Oh. Oh, I was just going to say one last thing. Do it. Um, But your ability to let me see you determines the level of intimacy we can have. Mm -hmm. So, like, if you have trouble showing me who you are, maybe it's because you don't know, and that's okay too. But I can't bring you into the nucleus when you haven't built a baseline for how you deal with yourself. Yeah. Enough to present it. Because, again, I can't know what you hold inside of you. Because, right, like, if you let me see you and I have clarity there, your behaviors now have context. Yeah, exactly. If I don't have context for the way that you're moving, And you won't let me see you. I can't bring you into the nucleus because that's for people who let me see them. And I'm always letting you see me. Like there is not a place that is unavailable for your visibility. Mm -hmm. I I want to be seen. I want to see you. 
that has take that took me a very long time because I used to be someone who's crazy secretive, and it was just to me it was I saw it as protection. So it was like, oh, you can't use the things to hurt me from just having that happen to me. And it wasn't until like starting to be conscious about. I've said it before. A friend had told me they were like, man, V. I ain't gonna lie, when you die, I'm gonna be a little relieved. And I was like, damn, like, word? And then he was like, no, nah, hear me out, because you know all of our secrets. He's like, well, you the one we go to when, like, shit, when we tell you all the deep, dark stuff, but we know you, how you are, that'll never come out. It's like, but we always stressed a little bit when one of us piss you off, and we like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> is he gonna let one out? Like, is he gonna let one of them fly? And I'm like, yo, y'all know that would never happen. But I remember when they said that to me, that made me start thinking, like, I don't want that weight. Like, I don't want that weight. I don't want that weight on me or on anyone else. Like, I have to start working to be far more transparent so people know where they stand with me. And I think oh that's something God, that's a thing. Where people, I think it's very easy. I have no problem telling somebody where they stand with me. If I don't rock with you, I'm going to let you know, like, yo, we ain't on that level. I'm going to be cordial with you, but keep it moving. Do you do friend breakups? Because this this is a hot topic, sort of like in my. I'll be, I'll be like, hey, you know, cool person at that time. Like some people just not meant to be in my life for it's be around me for a lifetime. That's true, but we don't often issue those memos the way we should. Yeah, and, and I it's don't me. know. We not friends. I can't even think. Like, there's people who I only halfway like that I've taken the time to break up with. <laughs> like, so, like, if you are a close friend to me, it won't be a mystery that we're not friends. Anymore. No, yeah, that's yes. Like, you should not be guessing as to how I feel about you or what I think about you. Like, nah, yeah. that's not the move. That's not how. It's and I don't want to. I don't want to guess or have to decode you or fill in any blanks. I want you to do that, which is why you having access to who you are is important. Yeah. No matter the level of access you have, like some, so that you can at least show me the truest parts of you that you know. Yeah. I'm like, let's just be straight up with each other in the sense of I deeply believe, and I don't know what can ever change my mind. We all use each other. So my yeah, thing is we just need to get on the, the problem. Yeah, I'm like, we just gotta get on the same page of like, what do you want out of this? Tell me understand what you want. I tell you what I want. We figure out how to make both of us win as best as we can, and then that's we go to you. That's that couture lifestyle. That's it right like, there. That's it. The couture lifestyle. Brand D, I appreciate you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank I you for doing you. this. You Thanks are a brilliant, for me on. a brilliant individual. I value you. You know, see, exactly. Like, people be tripping. Like, I heard you talking about humble in the last episode. Yeah, being humble, that's one of the ones where I'm like, I'm learning about it. Humility, I think I've learned more in the sense of removing how it's been traditionally used towards people of color. And just looking at the word for what it is and going, like, okay, I, I, I get this. I get this. Hey, look, Muggles, I appreciate y'all listening. Y'all just got some bars, like B-A-R-S, bars, Mars bars, straight chocolate. We out here. Shout out to chocolate. Chocolate is lit. So, folks, look it. If you need to get your life together, start loving yourself. That might be the first thing. Step one. For real. If you have access to a therapist, use them. I am like the biggest proponent of like, everybody need therapists. Black folks, African-American, whichever word y'all want to be called, Wakandan, (laughs) 
start using therapy. Mental health is a seriously important thing, and we just need to do it because we be dealing with shit that just come on now, y'all. Like we out here, it ain't cool to just have a crazy cousin. I'm sorry to mess up your. your do outfit. it. Keep going. You know what's funny when we say that word mental health, like a lot of the times mental health is just heartbreak. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people do have chemical imbalances. Imbalances that lead one of them. synapses to fire and that needs to be regulated. That's fine. But mo a lot of mental illness is just about not healing a broken heart yes yes that's it because it's one thing people think that when i think mental health they just like oh your brain like it's the same body like it's one thing if i put it in my stomach it's going to affect everything else it will they are connected but i treat my temple like a tribunal so and this was key to my cruising altitude and my self-love journey was to let my brain do the things that it's good at let my heart run point on matters of love. Let my spirit run point on things of the soul. Let my body run point about things concerning my body. Because here's the thing. My brain is the only part of me that lies to me. Ooh. So I can't keep it as the captain of the ship. Y'all can all Ooh. sit at the table together and we can make decisions and filter things that you know delegate things here and there but with this but yeah like my brain is the only piece of me that ever told me a lie like my body is like we gotta pee it's gotta pee (laughs) my body says you know our titanium knees didn't come in yet (laughs) and i drop it low i might get caught like it lets you know like this it tells you the absolute truth okay and then my spirit doesn't lie to me because, I mean, that's my channel to universe. Mm-hmm. Yo, that's brilliant. always thirsty and hungry for love. Always. Mm-hmm. But my brain is what sits in front of a TV and is like, oh, I'm not enough. <laughs> Yo, hey, that's right there. Y'all just got the illest bars ever right now. Just make the tribunal. Hey, Muggles, look it. I love y'all. I really do. Please, if you go outside, put a mask on. Like, it ain't that hard. It's really not that challenging to do. Like, hopefully you wear a condom when you're getting on. So why you can't put a mask on? Very similar concept. Protection. Protection. Protection for everybody. So just do that. Put the damn mask on. If you want, bow to people. Handshakes ain't the move right now. Just give a quick bow. (laughs) It's mad respectful. Yeah, Wakanda salute. I do that. I prefer it if you're an actual Wakanda citizen. So white folks, ah, it might not really work for y'all. Just saying. Right over left, people. Right over left. Yeah, like just think about it. Um, shout out to Malcolm X. I would also like to give a shout out to Jesus because why not? I wish y'all would. Exactly. Just saying it. I just be like, shout out people. Brian Charles, friendly neighborhood wizard V. I love y'all. Swerve. <laughs>